From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. One of the best things about discovering a new artist is getting to watch them improve and develop from good to great to excellent over time. William Hagen is our guest today. He's been on Highway 89 before a few years ago and played us a great show even then. So we're excited to bring you the fruits of his labors a few years riper and matured. Just days ago, he was at the Chamber Music Connects the World event at the Kronberg Academy in Germany. Before that, he played UCLA's Royce Hall. Recent engagements have included performances in Japan, concerts in Florida, where, yes, he made time to see the Gators in the Glades. Coming up in the next few months and later in the year, concerts in France, Belgium at the Aspen Music Festival, and this very summer with the Utah Symphony, Tchaikovsky's Violin Concerto. We also want to mention his 2015 third prize placement in the Queen Elizabeth International Music Competition, the highest an American has ranked since 1980. Way to represent. Here is William Hagen, violinist, accompanied by pianist Jed Moss with Mozart's Sonata Number no. 18.
We've just heard both movements of Sonata Number no. 18 by Mozart in G major for violin. Performed live, pianist Jed Moss, and our guest today, William Hagen. William, thank you for coming. It's absolutely my pleasure. You know, to hear all of those unison trills in the piano and in the violin, you guys are so locked in on each other. That's just a joy to hear that in sync. You know, it's just a joy to play with Jed. Um, it's when, when you play with people, it, it's like talking to people, mm -hmm. and sometimes you just get along with people. And I feel like Jed and I just get along musically, well, well, and actually we we are friends. So, so yeah, that's, that's good too. <laughs> great musical unison there. That was just so so much fun to hear that. Oh, uh, you you did come into classical eighty nine one time, and you came in. We actually did a live interview on the radio talking about an upcoming performance you had, and you were kind enough, even just on the radio voice mics. To play live, which I thought was that was a big a good sport. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was my pleasure. It was fun. But we we have a nice a, a nicer acoustical environment for you here today. Mm -hmm. Now, neither of your parents were particularly musical, although they appreciated music. So, what mm -hmm. did they think when you just popped up as a little guy and said, "Violin, I want a violin." I have no idea, honestly. Uh, my, you know, both of my parents. It's, it's, it's not true to say that I don't come from a musical family. Mm -hmm. I mean, professionally, of course, no, you know, I don't come from a family of professional musicians. But I, there's really a lot of music in the family, and both of my brothers are really talented and really musical. But um, I, my parents just wanted us to play an instrument, mm -hmm. like you know, like any other kid. And um, some girls played the violin at church, and I was three. And she asked my older brother, she said, do you want to play the violin? And he said, oh, no, gosh. You know, it was like this incredulous, why, why? And then she asked me, and I was just, I was so excited. And I, I was begging for a violin, little three-year-old me. And I got a violin when I was four, and I've been playing ever since. Uh, you've, you've moved up a couple of sizes. Yes, yeah, I didn't start with, the, the full size would have been bigger than me, so, yeah. You mentioned it, one in, in an interview we saw that your dad liked to play the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto, from a recording. Oh, uh, well, my dad, my dad, I'm sure, likes to listen to the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto. He's not a violinist. He plays clarinet one day a year. Uh-huh. And uh, he has a, a glorious solo on, um, uh, what is it? It's, anyway, it's a, it's a little Christmas song, and it's the one that begins on C. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the note he can play. <laughs> but my dad really loves music. I remember always riding in the car with him like when I, if I had a baseball game or if I had something else it was always either NPR or um, or something really beautiful to get car. you all pumped up for the game oh yeah for a requiem let's do this <laughs> yeah <laughs> we want to co compliment you on the third third prize in the 2015 Queen Elizabeth International Music Competition. So that's that's really pretty cool. Highest ranking since 1984 in American. It's it's crazy and I'm it's it was such an experience and yeah, it's it's funny to see that now, you know. I I really am just a kid from Salt Lake and so to have this, you know, I I you know, had never had plans to go to Belgium before. I uh -huh. of course, before I started realizing what a what a touring violinist could do, but I it was just such a fun experience to go over there, and I had a wonderful time. And I'm actually going back later this week, so I'm, I'm nice. excited to go back. Well, we like this quote from the Belgian press about you. said, William Hagen plays with an obvious and sincere love for the very act of music making. And something that may not show on the radio is, is the live performance part, is the physicality mm -hmm. of it. And you obviously are interpreting even with a toss of the head or, or a furrowed brow or all of that. <laughs> I mean, you are kind of feeling your way through the music. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it, it's funny in the old days, 
people would just stand there and play. And it was very kind of against the rules to make any sort of movement. Mm. And nowadays, it's I mean, it's almost gone over the top. There's some people, Jed and I were just talking about a violinist we saw who, it's like, I mean, it's it's actually like, um, this person is having an episode while they're while they're playing, which is amazing to watch. And this person plays so well. But I mean, it's it's interesting to see how it's changed. I don't I don't try to do anything, but I'm sure, just with with most of the my peers and things that it, most of the people I see playing nowadays, there's more of a willingness to just let it all out on stage. And I like that. I like that. I think that adds to the live performance oh, and, yeah, and helps us relate just as human beings. The movement. It's like watching a dance concert. You find yeah. yourself moving with the music. This is just a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. Here's a quote we loved. This was Arnold Steinhardt wrote, Will's kind of playing can give a listener goosebumps. He is the nicest guy. <laughs> he is so nice. You know, he's, he's legendary, and he's, he's somebody I look up to a great mm-hmm. deal. And so for him to write that, I was really... I, I, that was so nice. That's one to send to mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let me ask you about, we we talked about this little violin that you start off, the, the children's size, mm-hmm. and then you move up to larger ones as you grow. But then there's also the whole quality issue. You play mm-hmm. on a beautiful instrument right now, You this the 1675 Andrea Guarneri. Yeah. That's... So just for people to know in general, because we, we are not all steeped in violin lore at this <laughs> at this level, how do you know when it's time to invest in a better instrument, sound-wise or, or uh, time-wise even, if, if that's part of the equation? For me, it's always come from somebody else saying, you uh. need to, and I'm not like in a dislike, man, this sounds awful, <laughs> but like, <laughs> like, whoa, we have an issue, my friend. No, it's, it was more like, I, I think you could, you could go for something a little better. And actually the first great violin I got to play on was a Niccolo Amati, mm-hmm. which was 16... 1675 uh, on on loan from uh, the Mandel collection in Southern California and I was it was like a huge jump from a I was playing on a very very nice violin but not I mean that there's it's a whole different ball game. So when you st- when you picked it up and started playing something was different you knew that. You know what's really funny when I first started playing on a Niccolo Amati which is probably a good condition Amati would probably be a million dollar violin I was playing on it and I said, you know, I think I like my other one better. And it was this unknown, you know, French maker, and it, would ha- it doesn't even compare. You wouldn't mention them in the same sentence, uh-huh. but you're, you get used to what you're playing on. So mm. I had never played on a really great violin, and it's so funny that I actually, when I first was playing on that, I was like, oh, you know, I think I'd rather it. was play. just different than... Stick than... to what I've got, which is so ridiculous to think about now. It's like if somebody handed you the keys of a Ferrari and you're like... I and I'd prefer it in gray, so I, I think I'm gonna stick with my Civic, you know, or something like that. You know, it's so that's kind of what I that's kind of my reaction. But now I'm, you know, I'm like, oh. Well, and so what you said about a, a violin, a, a well-made and really quite expensive violin being on loan from an institution, mm-hmm. these aren't things that necessarily get put in a museum. The mm-hmm. owners want them played, or may, and often the players are the owners, but they want them to to play. And does the does the does the sound change over time? Absolutely. Well, I would say each player. We're all such individuals, mm-hmm. human beings in general. There's no two people that talk alike, that look alike, that you know move their hand alike. It's the same with violin playing. So you get two people on the same violin, you're not going to hear the same sound come out which is really interesting. Um, 
And now I'm completely spaced. I forgot what you asked me. I had something <laughs> so interesting. Just about, does the sound change over time? Yeah. You know? Oh, yes. Um, when, you f when you first get the violin, you're a little, it's kind of like, you know, you, you're not sure exactly what works on it. And, mm -hmm. and all this. And actually, what's funny is sometimes I pick up a violin and I feel like, oh, I sound better on this one. And, I, and then I go back to mine. And, but there, there's a familiarity. Mm. And um, it's, it's fun to play on, on other violins sometimes. Um, I find when I'm best prepared on a piece of music, I can just pick up any violin in the world and play the piece mm -hmm. and play it passably well. And if I'm just, if I'm really not knowing the piece that well and I pick up another violin, it's really hard for me to play a piece of music that's pretty fresh, which is kind of a weird phenomenon, but anyway. Well, we're going to hear your thing that just, that this was literally a, a dream, a, a dream piece, because Giuseppe Tartini had this dream that the devil came to him and wanted to play the violin. He hands his instrument to the devil, who picks it up and plays so incredibly beautifully that Tartini can't even figure out how to notate the music. He wakes up, he, he grabs an instrument, he tries to even capture it. And so, sort of like Jack Black in his song Tribute, where he says, this is not the best song in the world, it's a tribute to the best song in the world. We couldn't even write it down, but it's sort of a precursor to that, which is The Devil's Trill, Giuseppe Tartini, and this arrangement by a man who knew how to wow an audience, Fritz Chrysler's arrangement. Again, this is William Hagen performing live in BYU Broadcasting Studio 6 with pianist Jed Moss.
So good. So good. That's the Devil's Trill Sonata Giuseppe Tartini, arrangement by Fritz Chrysler. Our guest today, William Hagen, violin with Jed Moss, piano. Now, I understand in high school you had, what, at least 23 home runs for your career? Did I, that's generous. I That's counting Little League and, <laughs> okay. and Super well, League. We're and adding that. one more for tonight. That was great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was a home run. Thanks. Now, that cost you a few bow hairs, too. Yeah, yeah. It, that's typical of a performance like that, where there's a lot of demand on the bow and the double yeah. stops. And I feel like if you play something that intense and you don't break a bow hair, something's wrong. <laughs> I'm kidding. So we, yeah, we've heard about bows. that They can cost three to $5,000 for a, a good bow. Try two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand. What is that, unicorn hair? It's, what makes it cost? It is. It's unicorn hair. 
no, it's just it's just horse hair. But I think they get it from exotic places. Like uh-huh. they're like, would you like the Argentinian stallion or the <laughs> Mongolian wild horse? <laughs> I generally just say, well, if it works, put it on there. <laughs> it sounds great. It's uh, whichever thing, whichever uh, version you chose, right, whatever right. stock you chose. Now, at age ten, you started studying with Robert Lipset, and mm-hmm. to do that, you went down to L.A. You he heard you play, mm-hmm. and after he heard you play, he pulled your mother aside and said, "Are you willing to move to L.A.?" Yeah, we we went down. I didn't know anything about um, the music world. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what Colburn was. I didn't know what, I mean, I maybe knew what Juilliard was. I really didn't know anything. I just mm. knew Mrs. Minch, and I knew the Utah Symphony, and that was about it. And so I went down to play for this Robert Lipset, and um, I, I had no idea what to expect. And I thought I was just playing for him, just a lesson. Mm-hmm. And I think he thought it was an audition. Um, but I, I played for him, and then he, he did this thing where he said, all right, turn around. And I'm going to play some notes on the piano for you, and I want you to tell me what they are. He was testing to see if I had perfect pitch. Oh, uh-huh. And um, and I did. And my mom had never seen that happen, so she was like, what, what is going on? <laughs> she was totally, she had no idea what was going on. And then um, on top of that, he said, well, could you leave the room just for one second? And then he, he said to my mom, he said, could you guys move to Los Angeles? <laughs> and my mom was like, what? You know, it, it was kind of a, it caught us off guard, but... Um, the big choice in my life was whether to go and study with him at this summer music festival outside Cleveland. Um, and that was kind of jumping into the music world. Mm. And the, the choice was between that or my Foothill All-Stars baseball team. Ouch. And I mean, it was t- that's a tough decision. Ten years old. But yeah. I, I made the decision really quickly. I mm-hmm. really wanted to do violin, and it was a good decision. Um, but for him to ask that after just hearing, <sighs> I think two things. One, wow. To ask a mom that, so are you guys ready to move to, to, to L.A.? So yeah. what is it he heard that he thought, this kid can do something? And did he ever tell you what it was he heard in that first, that, that made the impression on him? It, you know, it's funny you asked that right after I played that piece, because he, um, he told me that one of the things he listens for in a young player is repetitive motion, mm-hmm. which is basically just a trill. Yeah. How fast your little fast twitch muscles go. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he said that was really good for me, and that's that's why this piece. I, I love playing this piece because I can, you know, that that whole cadenza is just trilling. Yes. And um, double stop trilling. Yeah, yeah, and it's, I think it's it creates this amazing effect if it's. I was trying to decide right. if, if if it was something fluttering and beautiful or goats laughing. I couldn't tell if it was. Thank I, you. I, I, had, <laughs> I had. I mean that, of course, in the best way you could say that. But, <laughs> But it, I'm gonna go just, with goats laughing. That's what I was going for, actually. It's okay. funny. It's funny you mentioned that. It's so glad to hit, hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, really, ama- really amazing. And here's a quote from from your teacher. He said, "Everybody has a God-given maximum speed in the fingers. Some people's hands just don't move very fast, and all the practicing in the world is never going to change that. Other people have fingers that move like lightning." And like lightning, they never strike in the same place. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a diss he usually pulls out. You know, he he had a he had a student play this amazing performance one time. He's like Paganini concerto, and people uh-huh. are fawning over him. Oh my gosh! And Mr. Lipset, he, he talks like this, and he goes, he goes, Robert. Uh, it, it was well, I shouldn't say, but he went up to this person and he said, "Your fingers are like lightning." They never strike the same place <laughs> twice, and it just kind of ouch, ouch. <laughs> but you know, he, he, all in good fun. Yeah. For, he's been your teacher for 13 years. 
Yeah. And then you went yeah, back yeah, to yeah. Juilliard. You worked with Itzhak uh-huh. Perlman. Yeah, 11 years with 11 Mr. Years. Lipset, two years with Itzhak Perlman, okay. yeah. But then uh, do you still study with Mr. Lipset now? Yeah, I do, yeah. And the regular commute? No, I, I go to the Colburn School, the Colburn Conservatory so, so you stay there. in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. that's that's where I go to school. I've been traveling a lot this semester um, for concerts and things, but I that's that's the school that I go to. I'd like to see you go with your excuse. No, I'll be gone next week. I have to go play in Germany in the Queen Elizabeth competition, <laughs> and then I'm... <laughs> Stopping in with the Utah Symphony on the way home. Wow. That's very exciting. Makes what, it sound real good. <laughs> it does sound real good. But the, the exciting part to us is, look, you're doing it. You decided to go for it, and it's starting to unfold. That's really exciting. Oh, it's it's an absolute dream come true. I mean, I look around. I mean, how many people get to do what they really love to do? Hmm. You know, And, it, of course, there are. it's not a total cakewalk. This is... This is tough sometimes to, to if you're really determined to play your very best and you want to hold yourself to the highest standard. It's tough. You really have to put in the time. And uh, Jed's motioning. Why would you hold yourself to the highest standard? <laughs> if you do, if you're if you're going to the if you're really going for it, it's tough. But you know, at times at times when I am feeling like, oh man, this is you know, there's a, there's a lot to do. Um, I kind of pinch myself and think, you're doing exactly what you wanted to do. How many people? can yeah. say that. I as just hard as it so gets, lucky. what would you rather be doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I nice. mean, obviously watching Sports Center on the couch, but no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, to set up this next piece for us, it's a tribute to, to Maria Theresia von Paradis, although there is some doubt who actually wrote this, Cecilien. Mm-hmm. What do you love about this piece? Why do you choose this? I, um, I just heard it one time, and I thought, that is so beautiful. I want to play that. And I, this is a fun little fact. I've never looked at the music. I, I just, it's very simple, so I just heard it and was always goofing around on it for fun. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really love this piece, short and sweet, and I hope you guys like it. Well, we'll let you take your place here. I, I was impressed, I was going to mention at the end in our final credits that you're playing all of this from memory, but how intriguing that this is a piece you've never actually looked at the music for. You just absorbed it by the sound and the technique. <laughs> So here's William Hagen. Just a reminder, you can check out William's upcoming concerts and performances online. His website is williamhagen.com. That's H-A-G-E-N. Jed Moss, Utah pianist accompanying, and we'll be listening to Sicilian.
Such a sweet piece, that Sicilienne Maria Theresia von Paradis. Jed Moss, pianist with William Hagen performing the violin. People have always been able to get in touch with the people they admire, musicians they admire. Maybe in the old days it was to fling roses. Maybe they still roses are still flung. Better that than tomatoes. But <laughs> also people could write a note or write a letter. But nowadays you can get instant feedback on Twitter, on Facebook. People post what, and some of our fa very favorite comments from your, from I guess your your fans. We'd have to call them people who enjoy what totally. you do. We would just want to. I know you must have seen these, but just in case you haven't <laughs> for a while. Here's one that we loved. This has got to make you feel good. She writes, Will, the recital was exquisite. This is on Facebook. I brought my son, Henry, who was seven, and learning to play in hopes of inspiring him. And when I saw him air violining along with you, I knew that had happened. Oh, that is so great to Isn't hear. It? It's usually picture, you know, the rock star and playing air guitar, but there he was air violining. I thought that was just a, a terrific comment. My kindred Here's, spirit there. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one from a Fort Worth listener. This was my third time seeing you perform. It is no wonder you are a Fort Worth favorite. I hope you don't mind, but my husband and I affectionately refer to you as the fiddle dude, as in bravo, fiddle dude. <laughs> Great. Very, people are so clever. I actually it, tell people, you know, they call me the fiddle dude. The fiddle dude. <laughs> so, uh, but in the midst of all this, that must be fun to be able to connect so instantly, you, like you can today, with fans from wherever they live. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, I think before that, there was this kind of this, like, that guy's on stage and I'm here. But, mm -hmm. I mean, as I've gotten to know some of the people I really admire most, uh, I mean this in the best way possible, everybody's just a human being. Mm. And um, I think that's what's nice about social media nowadays is that you're kind of seeing the more the more human side of it getting being able to just talk to somebody mm. immediately makes you feel more like they're 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 more accessible to you and i, I like that about yeah. social media instant nice connection there commute with people but people besides your solo career you also involve yourself in various chamber groups mm -hmm. so what is it you get from doing that 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 that, that you, makes you make time for that in addition to a solo career it's well first of all i the number one reason is I absolutely love it. You know, Jed and I, the, the Mozart, the Mozart sonata that we just played, that is that is chamber music, and it's so it's so nice to play with somebody. And what you're doing is you're communicating without talking, and you're you're reacting. You you somebody does a little thing here, and you mm. react to that, and you do a little thing here, and it's it's a really fun back and forth, and just you know that aspect of chamber music is so much fun. And then also the repertoire is unbelievable. There's so much good music out there. I was just playing this Mendelssohn quintet in Germany that I had never heard before, and mm. I was I kept looking around at the people in the group like, oh my gosh, I, I'm having a hard time playing because the chills are so intense. Actually, I was <laughs> getting such intense chills that I it was it was hard to maintain my my you know to keep going on. It was it was just so much fun and it was such beautiful music, and. I mean, I feel that way about every piece I play. Lots of people kind of laugh at me. I'm always going, oh, I love that piece. Oh, I love that. I love that. And they're like, you're like a dog. You're like, <laughs> you know, like you love everything. I love but, them all. But you know what? I I really do. It's sincere. And there are things that I don't like, and I'll be open about that too. But I, But generally, I just love the music that I play. I have so much fun doing it, and I have so much respect for it. And the it's so great to play chamber music because you're – when. You know, of course, almost everything you do is chamber music, if unless you're playing solo Bach. Um, 
Now that's kind of funny because you're you're reacting almost to to the counterpoint in the music. You're kind of reacting with yourself. Mm. It's an interesting, it's an interesting um, kind of perspective. But the but playing with people that you really admire, and um, I admire a lot of people. So playing with you know almost anybody I've ever played with has just been so much fun. And it's it's fun to be able to communicate with somebody on a very deep level about very deep things, and you haven't said a word. You know? nice, nice way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you've done for us today. Thank Thanks. you so much for coming and playing. For you and Jed both, this has just been sheer joy for us. Oh, it's been sheer joy for, for me, and it's always great to play with Jed. We've played a lot together, and it's, it's always a pleasure. If you're listening at home, or maybe you just caught part of the show, you want to hear the first part, or hear it again, or share it with a friend, and why would you not do that? It's easy to do. All of our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org slash highway89, and follow us on Twitter at byuh89 for live show updates and special behind-the-scenes photos and video clips. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Our recording engineer is Mark Waite, our film assistant, Abby Horlocker, and the show's producer is Jackie Tataishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.